I want to take a minute to tell you about Federal Access. Federal Access is our coaching and training platform that we develop for government contractors. The resources in Federal Access have helped our clients win over $13.6 billion in government contracts. When you become a member, you're going to get access to hundreds of documents, templates, training videos, on-demand webinars, and you get SME support from me. So if you have a question, you can email me directly anytime. Here's a special offer for Game Changers listeners. Visit federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers today and get started for just $29. That's federal-access.com forward slash Game Changers to get started for just $29. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everyone, Michael Lejeune here and I will be hosting Game Changers for you today and as always we have a great guest for you. In fact, uh, our guest today is one of our business partners here. I always like to be fully transparent on stuff like that. His name is Carol Bernard. You've probably heard him on a couple of episodes before, but for those that don't know Carol, uh, Carol is the co-founder of Govology. Carol, why don't you take a minute and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thanks Michael. So uh, my background is... Uh I did a lot of acquisition. Um, I started as a supply officer in, in the Navy, and that's where I kind of got my start in the acquisition community of the government. And then when I came off of active duty, I worked both locally uh, for a, a local city uh, procurement agency, and then I went back into the feds, worked for the VA for a while in contracting. And uh, my last tour of duty, as I like to call it, in the government was at the U.S. Small Business Administration, and there. I was a business opportunity specialist, helped uh, manage the 8A portfolio. Uh, I was the veterans business development officer, the primary hubs zone liaison. I shifted out of that and uh, worked for the PTAC for four years, which is a great program, and we still partner with them today. And in about 2015, we launched Govology, which was aimed at helping small businesses get better access to education that they needed to to move forth and find their success yeah and you know you you mentioned that and sort of casually there you know working for the sba and all the the programs that you're with and the ptac and all that type of stuff and for those of you that you know are, are new to game changers or don't have contacts in this you have one now uh, you know, Carol is a wealth of information on all of those programs and just kind of how the government runs. And so it's just one more source for you. And, you know, his contact information will be attached to this episode. You'll be able to go in there and find all that. And so I just I always want to recommend that people reach out to our guests. Uh, our guests are very willing to chat with you about this stuff. And if any of those things pique your interest or you think Carol can help, he's on here because we trust Carol. You know, we trust him. He's he's a partner with us. And, you know, we highly recommend you reach out and ask questions anytime you have them. So um, with that, you know, your plug is done. I'll expect the check in the mail. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Just 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 kidding. People know, you know, we're, we're pretty sincere about that stuff. And, you know, we don't we don't plug things unless we really believe in it. And so uh, I really appreciate what you're doing and kind of how our partnership came about and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that in the accelerator program as we go and uh, just a few other things. But 
Today, we wanted to come together and share a little bit from both sides of the microphone, if you will, uh, about preparing for the next fiscal year. You know, we're recording this in October of 2018, but really, anytime you are preparing for the government's new fiscal year, uh, I think this is a podcast you can pull out and listen to and just kind of be reminded of tips, techniques, strategies, that sort of thing on how you can prepare your business. Because I, I don't know about you, Carol, but I've seen this a lot where people... They race to the finish line in September. September closes and they go, great, we can take a nap till January or February. And it's mm-hmm. like, really? <laughs> really? That's what you're going to do? Yeah, I'm like, uh, not to pick on teachers for a moment, but I'm like, do you think you're a teacher? You, you only work nine months a year at, you know, at the, in your job. And, and I know teachers work a lot more than that. My wife is a teacher, so I get they do, they do things in the summer. But, you know, it's one of those things where they like kind of hibernate their business a lot of times and they don't take advantage of all the opportunity in that new fiscal year. And so, I mean, is that something that you've seen as well? Yeah, I think so, man. You know, I can totally see that there's this kind of big drive to the end of the year and then the the new year comes, the new government fiscal year that is, which we have just entered and it kind of slows down, but actually that's the best time I, I believe for contractors to begin ramping up. Well, I will say that with tongue in cheek, then that's after the contracting officers come back from vacation because they've all been like working their butts off to try to get all those year dollars awarded, you know, so they'll take a little hiatus typically right after the the fiscal year ends. But, uh, you know, this is really a great opportunity to get in there and to make some connections and to have some meetings with some of the the buyers and some of the influencers that work within the the federal agencies. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, for us, you know, we're always looking at, you know, building relationships and, you know, literally there's, there's just a plethora of things that you could be doing in this time. We did a webinar a while back about things you could be doing in the holidays to take advantage of, you know, your marketing opportunities and different things like that. But, you know, for you, what do you feel like is the best way for a company to start this new fiscal year? So if, if I'm a, a contractor, Right now, what should I be doing right now, in your opinion? My opinion, the first thing is to just have a plan of what you want to accomplish. And I would say have a goal of what you want to do one year from now and then break that down into 90-day targets. So we're just now starting quarter one of the federal fiscal year. So I would challenge folks that if they say they want to make $2 million in government contracts next year, okay, well, what's that going to look like for you? For the first quarter, a lot of times people don't even get, you know, people meaning the government doesn't even really have their budget in place. And so there may not be a lot of sales coming in. So if you want to make $2 million by September 29th of next year, what will that look like? Perhaps, you know, a million dollars in the fourth quarter, a million in the the third quarter, or maybe 500,000 in the second, 500,000 in the third, and a million in the fourth. So take a specific plan of action to get there and what are you going to be doing right now in each quarter to move you towards that then once you figure that out what i would say is to clear the noise and get focused and what i mean by that is that there's so many things that people can do that they don't really necessarily even need to do to do the most important things and i think that what i found over the years and after observing and being around this for many years and even 
myself, when I first came out of contracting and I was working back at the SBA, it's like 10 years ago now, it seems. Uh, but I would tell people, hey, go out and do this and this and this. You know, build your website. Make sure you've got your capability statement built into the website. You know, I would give all of these things that people could do. But then at the end of the day, really, it's all about does the government really want to buy what you sell? And you could spend a lot of time getting lost in the weeds and the minutia of the work. And there's a lot of work that all can always be done, you know, getting your certifications, developing your capability statements, the website, going to this conference, going to that conference. But at the end of the day, there's somebody that you need to connect with in the government to figure out whether or not they're going to have any interest at all in buying what you sell. And I think some people kind of forget about that. Either that or it's that maybe doing all this minutia work keeps them within their comfort zone because people mm -hmm. don't typically get comfortable going in and engaging. And so it's always like a push off. It's like, okay, once I get my website done, then I'll be ready. Once I get my 8A certification, then I'll be ready. You know, once I get a mentor, then I'll be ready. And, you know, right. we could go a whole year and you get nothing, right? So that's where I'm challenging folks to basically challenge themselves and have like 90 day challenges within their business to like exactly what do you want to do in the, the first quarter and what is the most important thing to do to get there and for a lot of people the most important thing is just to get the contacts that they need to get to do the research which we talk about a lot and then just start having conversations with people and not even necessarily bringing in the hard sell on them but just learning about them, interviewing them, figuring out what their challenges are and how your company can be of value till you find that specific you know, point where, yep, that's an opportunity. And you know what's the interesting thing about all of this is that back when I was a contracting officer, there was demand created before people even wanted, well, even before people got registered in SAM.gov. And what I mean by that is that you know, this big first step is get registered in SAM. And I do agree that that's a good step to take at the initial onset because you'll be in the database. But technically speaking, you don't necessarily even need to be registered in SAM to go out and talk to somebody to see if they would be interested in purchasing what you sell. And um, I've seen that a couple of times in my contracting career where at the VA we wanted to buy something that somebody had and they weren't even in SAM yet. So now we're trying to ramp up, get get them registered. And we're like, hey, do you know about the PTAC program? So they can help, you know, get you registered in SAM real quick because the contracting officers don't help people get registered in SAM. Um, and it's a good thing that the PTAC program exists out there so that actually they can help these folks get into SAM and then the government can award the dollars that they want to award to them. Yeah. And, you know, so much that you just said there. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pick one point. We'll see. I may, I may go on too, but here, one of the things you said that I, I think is really important for people to hear is what you said about procrastination. It, it is so common for people to find those activities that you were talking about, like their website or their capability statement or whatever it is. And they feel like they're growing their business because they're being busy doing those things. Yep. And it's like, you can build the best website on the planet, but if you never send anyone to it, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't. Right. It, you could build the best capability statement in the world, 
But if you never hand it out, it doesn't matter. If you have no one to hand it out to, it doesn't matter. If you don't know who you want to target, it doesn't matter. And so that's not to, you know, downplay anybody that's, you know, currently listening to the podcast and working on their capability statement or website. It just means it doesn't stop there. That's the beginning point for people. You have to use the tool or else it's not a tool. You know, it's just this thing. And so I, I'm glad you, you talked about that. I love what you said about having a plan. I think a lot of people really downplay the importance of having a plan. You know, th- there's so many organizations that I talk to and I ask, hey, when's the last time you left the business for two, three days a week and went on a retreat or whatever you want to call it and just did some planning? And most of them look at me like, what are you, crazy? Like we don't have the time or the money. Do you know how much money that's going to cost to go even, you know, one city over and get a hotel for five nights or three nights or whatever it is? You know how much it's going to cost in productivity? And I'm like, you clearly don't know what it's going to create in your business by doing that. And, And even people who have done it multiple times, it's often still hard to get them to block out those few days, week, whatever it is. And yet I always hear people say that was the most valuable time we spent in our business in months, if not years, by just getting away. Like you said, you know, clearing the noise for a little while. And, and sometimes people tell me, well, we have a great conference room. We should just do it in our conference. No, you shouldn't. You've got to get out of your environment because it's a, it's amazing how the brain works when you get out of your own environment, even to just go and sometimes I'll go to McDonald's, just grab a soda and sit and work. And it's amazing the things I think of while I'm out of my environment versus when I'm behind my desk, you know, and because my job is one of those where 80 percent of what I do is is creative. You know, I'm creating something. I'm creating copy. I'm creating images. I'm creating marketing plans. And it's hard to be creative on cue. You know, a lot of people can do it very sporadically, uh, but anybody can do it when you get them out of their environment. It's amazing how creative people get when you pull them out of that environment, put them in a fresh environment, and now there's there's none of the daily distractions there. And so I, I, I think it's really important for people to hear that about the plan, about those procrastination activities, and, and really looking at, hunkering down and really focusing on what you actually need to be doing. And so really, really important stuff. And again, you said like eight or 10 things there. And I'm like, those are the two I'm going to latch on to (laughs) and and talk about. So, so if you're listening to this, go back and listen to it again. Cause again, for us, a lot of times there's so casually, we just walk through some of these things and um, you know, I'll say this last point before I go on to the next, next piece here is one of the biggest things about, any of these is the execution on the back end because a lot of people, even if they do the planning, it's easy to set goals and targets or like you said, little, these little challenges and things like that. But sometimes it's really hard for people to execute. Like it, it looks so cool to have it on a piece of paper, yeah, you know, or an email that you share around in my office. I literally have my five goals for the year on the wall and I've actually drawn out like this the long kind of like the thermometer thing you know that you see that you fill in and I I feel I've got that on each one of the goals 
and I've got these colored markers and actually crayons <laughs> that, are, that are sitting right here in a little bucket right below it. And as we, you know, get a little milestone, I'm coloring it in and I can just walk by and see it every single time. I, I talked to you before the podcast. I'm actually going back to school right now. I've got 28 weeks uh, to finish my degree. And uh, there's there's boxes for each of those 28 weeks and I'm coloring them in one at a time. You know, things like that where you can just get that little, that visual and that sense of accomplishment that just helps you push yourself forward. And, and those help you actually implement and execute on some of these ideas. And so um, just, just kind of my two cents on, on that piece of it. So, so, so let's assume that, you know, people are building their plan. They're creating some milestones. You know, they've cleared the noise and they've kind of set themselves up for success. What's next in your mind? What, what, are, what else is really important during this time? Yeah, I think just taking action, Michael. I mean, and not allowing the urgent to always take priority over the not urgent. And I'm specifically referring to, and if anybody's familiar with that Stephen Covey, that those four quadrants yep. and, and his time matrix, you've got the urgent and the important, not urgent and, and not important. And then you've got, you know, the other two, which are really, it probably shouldn't even be on your list. Uh, but what I've actually kind of observed, and I've learned this technique that recently this year, and it's, it's produced a massive amount of power for me into really moving forward a lot faster in, in my particular targets is that once you set those 90-day targets, if you take a look at all of that stuff that falls within those quadrants, what typically happens and what I've observed from coaching a lot of people over the years is that people operate from crisis mode almost all the time. That important and urgent box is always taking up all of their time, and they never really get an opportunity to work in that important but not urgent box. So that important but not urgent box just keeps getting kicked down the road until that becomes a, a crisis for them. Then that goes into the, the next box. And so, so what I found very powerful in this technique I'm employing in my business now is to basically take those 90-day targets and say, okay, what is the important things? Not urgent, but what is the important things that we want to accomplish this quarter? And then from there, break it down on a weekly basis and set a path, if you will. So, okay, we know where we want to accomplish for this quarter. What is it that we're going to do this week? What's the one big thing that I'm going to do this week to accomplish and move myself forward towards that important thing? So it's kind of like we're taking that not urgent, not important quadrant, and now we're placing an urgency on it. So we're putting the urgency ourselves on that so that we're able to move it and not just operate from that first quadrant of the box, which is the urgent and important so we get to do the important things now that we really haven't done and a lot of times that's kind of where you would ha hear the expression working on the business rather than working mm -hmm. in the business and within that so one thing every week and then within that i break it down into about four or five action items specifically that i need to do within the week so that that one thing gets accomplished and so then every week I'm moving towards knocking down the one thing for the week and then the one thing for the quarter. And it's really helped me actually uh, move a lot faster 
towards uh, the targets that we want to achieve for ourselves. Yeah, no, I think that's really powerful. And it, it, here's the one thing I used to tell people all the time. Everybody has a system and everybody's system works for them. You know, even Tony Robbins, somebody that I've worked with, he built his system for himself. He built mm-hmm. it for Tony Robbins. So you can't necessarily look at Tony's system and go, I'm going to apply that equally over my life. You know, you might, and it might work for you perfectly. It might not. Right. You know, so even, you know, what, what Carol is describing here for everyone, you, you may be able to apply that exactly like he's saying. You may have to tweak it a little bit, but it's it's at least a starting point of a system that you can apply. You know, one of the things I've recently started doing is in all of the tasks, because I, I, I don't know why I, I don't like a lot of the task apps and things that are out there. I personally like, you know, all of my tasks for the day on my calendar. Because I, I don't, if I just put a, a task list and I can do it at any point, then I'm the kind of person I'll do it all at the 11th hour, right? So what I do is I actually schedule every single one of my tasks, and I've been doing that for years. So that, that's one strategy that I use. But the big thing that I've adjusted this year is I put a letter in front of it, and it's either an S or a T. This is either strategic or it's tactical. Which one is it? And I, and I just have to make sure that every single week I am doing at least one thing that has an S, you know, because it's so easy to get wrapped up in those tactical things or the strategic things, you know, and not do both, you know, having a good balance to them. There's a lot of things I do in our business that's tactical, but making sure that I'm also mixing in the strategic. There's a lot of people that are the reverse of that. But, uh, you know, because the strategic things are the things that are typically long term you know, like, like you, like you were talking about. And so having a good mix of strategic and tactical things help me make sure that I'm not only getting what I need to get done for this week, but I'm prepping myself for the future. You know, I, I would think, you know, to me, I don't know, we'll get your thoughts on it. To me, making sure you've got your SDVOSB, that's a strategic thing. It's not going to get done today, you know, but it can get done over the course of three months. Or however long it takes, you know, especially if you've got a lot on your plate. And it's long term, it's going to really help your company. And so for me, that would, you know, that would get an S. You know, it's something I need to chip away at all the time versus some of the tactical things like making a phone call or a follow up or whatever, um, you know, and just and just having a good balance of that. So uh, I, I think that's, you know, it, it's one of those habits you can develop. But you don't necessarily have to develop it on your own. You can use some of these tools like your Outlook calendar or, you know, there's a lot of people that use Trello or Basecamp or there's, you know, a thousand apps that'll, you know, remind you every 30 seconds what your next appointment is or task or whatever. So whatever works for you, you know, you don't have to use your Outlook calendar. You don't have to put an S and a T. You can do whatever you want. But I think to your first point there is taking some action on it. Yeah. You know, taking um, some action and, and probably doing something new, right? I mean, well, wouldn't you agree that, like, if you're going to experience new growth, you probably have to do new things? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, I've had a few coaching sessions over the last few days where I actually drew out, like, a, a like a bit of a ramp. Say, like, okay, if you're starting right here, if the facts today are that basically over the last three years average, you've done $10,000 in business with the federal government, and now you want to go to $2 million, there's going to need to be some things that are going to change that 
obviously, you know, if you keep doing the same things that you've been doing for the last three years, you're not going to hit that mark, right? Right. So you definitely need to make some changes with what you're doing uh, to in order you for you to be able to get to that point. It just really kind of makes sense. Um, but I'm glad also that you kind of mentioned the um, the thing about everybody has their kind of own system for doing something. And I think that that's important also uh, to take in for government contractors because I believe that there's too much information out there. And, and the, the fact is, is that there's not a one size fits all approach, really. I mean, and it really needs to be a tailored approach. And so every business may be different. And what I mean specifically by that is that you know, I see a lot of businesses come in and I see a lot of proposal writing training out there, you know, and proposal writing training is great if you need to write a proposal, but some people don't need to write a proposal to do business with the federal government. Right. Some people might just need to do a bid, Yep. you know, which is a, a bit different than a proposal. It's just really numbers based instead of, you know, having the best value approach. So if you're taking training to write a proposal when you really only need to do a bid, right? And the other thing with bids is that you don't really need to market as much if you know like where the opportunity is going to be posted. You go there, you get it, you put some numbers, and you submit it to the government. That can be very easy. For some people, it could just be, like, hey, I've got a one-page proposal with a demo. That's all I really need to do. My product's you know, less than $10,000, so I could typically get that done under the micro-purchase threshold. And all I need to do is find the end user, if, pitch them, give them a demo, send them my one page proposal. If they like what we're doing, then we're in business, you know? And so I think, uh, some people try to, it, they make it harder than it really is, even though it is a complex marketplace, but it doesn't always have to be complex. There's a lot of hmm. easy entry points into it. Yeah. And I, I see that a lot where I, I like what you said there. They make it harder than it is T to me. A lot of people need to, it, to take a look at the business and you can say the 80 20 rule. I, I often find it's almost 90 10. We actually did this in, in one of the nonprofits that I'm on the board of recently where we just said, we asked it this way. We said, what's working and what's not like, like that was the question what's working and what's not. And we said, here's the deal. Let's do more of what's working and less of what's not. That's right. Like that was the strategic plan, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sometimes if you don't actually stop to see what's not working so you can stop doing that, right? Right. You know, and I think that that's a good point that you just made. When you're here at the beginning of the year, the new, when we're, new federal fiscal year here, that is, and you're looking to go somewhere at the end of the year, is just to basically stop assess where you are now and just what you said, what is working, what is not working, right? Mm -hmm. And then where are you going? And I think that you, you just can't set an arbitrary target without really knowing where you are because I think a lot of people have just systemic problems and issues that they need to go and fix in order for them to get to that level uh, that they want to be at at the end of the year. So, But if we don't stop and, and look at those issues and fix them, they're going to be with us all year and continuing to restrain us. Right. Right. No, that that's a wonderful point there. And I think there is somewhat of a lull right now 
in, in the market, you know, in that October through, I, I almost see, it just depends on what you're selling. I almost see it from like October to mid-January, mid-February, just depends. And then mid-February, just rock and roll time, right? But there's still opportunities right now. But I think if you've got some things that are broken, like your customer support team, like your help desk, like your product, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever it is, now is a great time to put some effort into fixing it, you know, or your marketing plan or your sales team or, I mean, you know, your sales formula that you're using or whatever it is. Now is a great time to fix stuff. But I think you do have to get real and say, this is broken with without saying, you know, this is broken and it's all your fault. Right. You know, it's too easy to say, hmm, sales are broken, so let's fire Mike and Carol and this person, and we'll just start over. And, right. you know, I've always had to have this awkward conversation because I've been a business coach for many, many years. And you have this awkward conversation with a business owner where they say, Mike, I just can't find good people. It's one of my favorite questions in the world because I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a difficult conversation. They're like, I can't find good people. I hired this guy and it didn't work. I hired that gal and it didn't work. I hired this person and this person and this person. Didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work, didn't work. And you sit back and you say, "Mm mm-hmm, what's the one consistent factor in all of this? And, And they're like, that people aren't any good. Nope. <laughs> that, that you know, salespeople lie on their resume. Nope. You know, you are the one consistent factor here. You know, and it's not saying you aren't any good or you are broken. It's you don't know how to train people to do what you've been doing so well. You know, because typically the owner is the rock star salesperson initially in their company. And often they don't know how to train that person to be just like them because they want to force them to use their system when they're probably the only person in the planet that can use it and they won't let them adapt it in any way. And they're, and they're like, why are all these salespeople so horrible? It's like, well, you as an owner need to get better at recruiting and training because that's, that's another thing and not to get off on a tangent on this, but you know, when, when people bring new people on, one of the first questions I ask is, so what is your onboarding process? What's your training process? And they're like, Oh, it's all on the job. And I'm like, how well is that working for you? You know, so I mean, these are things that you could be fixing right now. And, you know, if if you've got good people, but they're not getting the results you want, maybe it's your approach to how you manage those people or how your manager manages those people or whatever it be. But now's the time to fix it. And, you know, when I look at this, I'm always looking at, I don't need a hundred percent growth out of them today, but I'd love to see a hundred percent growth out of the year. So if I can get 2% personal development out of them a week, you know, over the course of the year, I'm going to see a totally new person changed by the end of the year. So let's focus on 2% growth a week on, you know, whatever skills or traits that I need out of this person to get that development long-term. And, but it starts right now while you have the time, like Carol said earlier, to clear the noise and really focus on this stuff. And so, so we've, we've talked for like 20 something minutes at this point, Carol, and we've, we've been focusing on kickstarting this new fiscal year. What have we missed so far? What's the, what's a big one we've missed so far? You know, 
one of the things I wanted to chat about with you is that, uh, you know, we've had this great partnership together and uh, we just rolled that into the Govology platform this year. And so now we've got all of the federal access resources built into Govology and we call it the Govology Accelerator platform. And I know that it, it works such as such a great marriage, I feel, because we kind of ran parallel for a while with the same mission in that we really want to help businesses get into their contracts in a quicker time frame than, you know, what is it, 18 to 24 months or so? If they're lucky, right? <laughs> yeah. And so we want to really kind of reduce that time for them. And so... I thought we might talk about how do we accelerate folks in, in the marketplace. And I know you guys have been out there doing this for a while. So I was going to reverse interview you and say, what have you guys found that has been working uh, to help small businesses accelerate? And, uh, you know, I, I think for me, one of the biggest things that I see is some of the things we've been talking about, you know, taking the step back and doing all that, using this time really, really wisely right now. But one of those things that I know it's going to sound like a swear word when I say this, but really getting focused on your niche and really understanding who you actually service. I, I think that's one of those things. And, you know, people always tell me, well, you know, what is what does that look like? How do I I'm already a government contractor, so I've already eliminated most of the commercial market to focus on government contracting. And, and I always say, well, who in the government? You know, what do you do in the government? You know, when I was first introduced in the government, we were a software company and we could sell our software to anyone in the government, but we chose the intelligence community. So we chose all of the, the national intelligence types of organization. Anything with a three letter was, you know, acronym was one of our clients. That was one of those things. And the intelligence community latched on our product. And so we started to drill down and focus on them. And when we started in government, we were like everybody else and we were shotgunning it. I mean, literally anybody who had a pulse, we would talk to them. And we were doing half a million to a million dollars a year in revenue with the shotgun approach. We stepped back. We took that laser focus because we, we said what's working, what's not. And we realized the intelligence community was like 96% of our business. I mean, it was a ridiculously high number. So we said, what would happen if we just spent the next 12 months solely focused on the intelligence community? You know, after three to five years in business, mind you, where the, the biggest year we get is $1.2 So over the next 18 months, we would take that company from the $1.2 to right at $11.5 million a year in revenue by focusing on the intelligence community. Because here's the cool thing that happened. Not only did we explode the intelligence community, but now we had a multiple of client base out there. You know, our client base grew by, I want to say it was like 4,000%. It was something ridiculous. The client base grew so big that they started telling other people, and then Army, Navy, other people started buying into what we were doing. But we were still focused on our target client. So I think for me, one of the fastest ways to accelerate was really focusing on that niche, really serving them well. I mean, we would bend over backwards to do whatever it is they needed. We would, you know, hop on a plane, you know, in the middle of the night and go see them, whatever it took. But they knew they could count on us. And we understood them. In fact, everybody on our team were former intelligence community people. 
myself, Josh was on our team, a couple other engineers were on our team, we're all, you know, intelligence community folks. And so it, it just, it was one of those things where we're niching ourselves in that space, we saw rapid growth. And it was one of those things where everybody was fearful at first, right? Because, you know, the, the moment you say we're going to niche, everybody thinks we're going to shrink our market opportunity. You know, the market opportunity, oh, you're going to go from, you know, 700,000 people in the market to, you know, 7,000 or whatever, whatever the numbers really are. And it just frightens a lot of people. But on the back end, the, the growth was just phenomenal. So to me, that was the biggest thing we could do and something I always advocate for our clients to do. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I can I can see that in a lot of areas. And the cool thing about this is that that's kind of the small business advantage because, you know, there's a lot of big businesses out there that they're going to get their business. But at the same time, they're not really focused on some of the smaller components, which I mean, for a small business, some of these small components can really mean a great business for them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and for us, you know, we were one of those small companies where even though we were super small, there was like 35 people in the whole company. I mean, that is super small in the government. Uh, you know, we had a 24 hour help desk, you know, and it wasn't a call center. It was literally, there were six engineers and, and our clients knew all six engineers by name. And one of them carried a cell phone when they weren't, you know, at, at the actual op center there. And you would, you know, literally call and wake up Keith or whoever it was and in their pajamas and they would answer and they'd know who it was. And, yeah. you know, and, they, and it just built such a good relationship because we were small and just very agile in our approach. It allowed them to to have that relationship and that confidence that, hey, I can call at two thirty in the morning and they're going to wake up and answer the phone, hop on their laptop and fix our problem. And I, that goes a long way in customer service. And it didn't cost us literally anything extra for the most part. I mean, what we did was, the, you know, the person who carried the cell phone, I think we paid them an extra two hours worth uh, a week for that uh, because there was very rarely a call, right? I, super rare. So most of the time they got paid a, a bonus for carrying a cell phone that never went off. <laughs> you know, and it was just, they thought it was cool and people would sign up for the cell phone, you know? Um, and so, and it just, and it helped our customers a lot. So, you know, that, that's one of those things when you niche, you know, you don't need people that can handle every issue under the sun. Cause you're not dealing with every issue under the sun. You know, you, you, you're even your, your costs can go down in some cases because you're very specialized in your approach on how you're serving your clients. So, so yeah. Yeah. So niche and build relationships. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Those are two, two, two things. Like if you did that, you know, it would be, it would be tremendous for your business in, in FY19. Because yeah. it's, you're right, man. It, it's not about really the size of the market that you're pursuing. It's really about the relationships you have with a smaller market. Right. And if you can have the best relationships and really – truly be a partner. And I think that that's where a lot of small businesses kind of go astray is that they feel like, okay, you know, I'm here, you know, I'm a veteran owned business or I'm a woman owned business or I'm a hub zone business. And, 
you know, where's the contracts? And they just look at it as getting contracts and getting paid. But really, the people who do the best in this market are the people who are really looked at as partners. Uh, like you can call them, like just like you said, like, hey, call him up. He's in his pajamas right now, but he'll throw his slippers on. Yeah. <laughs> And, get up. and a lot of times, internally, the government has a lot of things that they're working through challenges of their own. And sometimes, you know, being a partner, being able to help them when they're in a bad situation and having a challenge that, oh, shoot, I screwed up this uh, these specs, you know. And if you can figure out how to fix that for them, I mean, that's it pays so many dividends and um you know, that's a good way to lock in business for life yeah oh absolutely and you know when when you can fix their problems it, it man it goes a long way and they always remember it and, you know we we dealt with software and we dealt with software that was connected again in the intelligence community to servers all over the world and at any given moment there could be crisis and they were using our platform to discuss that crisis and create plans and things so inevitably there were problems right and so and we were right there to fix them anytime there was a problem because they they could not downtime was unacceptable right and so when you're in that kind of environment that's just how you have to live you have to be in in that space and you know the one thing that i would say kind of to tack on to your niche and your building relationships is and again, I know this is probably going to sound like a swear word as well, is having some patience, you know, having the patience to say, let's do it right. Because my friend Scott says this all the time. He says, you never have the time to do it right, but you find the time to do it twice. And I use that all the time with my family and because they're like, well, we'll just do it later. And I'm like, why did you, you know, if you don't just throw the dishes in the sink, but you actually rinse them, you know, then you won't have to clean them off when the dishwasher doesn't do it or whatever, you know, and it's like, we'll just do it later. And no, do it right the first time. And I think it's the same in government where people say, well, we don't have time. So we're just going to go out. We're going to do a bunch of bids. We're going to write a bunch of proposals and we're just going to keep swinging because it's all about the numbers. And they get two years, three years, four years in, and they're super frustrated. Yeah. And, you know, again, go back to what the SBA says about small businesses. Most do not survive the three-year mark. And the reason a lot of them don't is because they don't take the time to do it right. They take the time to do it twice. And they're so focused on doing activities because they feel like that's going to spit out an immediate result versus taking the time, building the relationships and doing things. Cause imagine it, it, if you know, going in, you're going to take three years to get it done. Just, you know, churning and burning as they say, imagine taking the first year to do it right. So that midway through the second year, you're, you're actually achieving some things by slowing down. You actually move faster. Right. And it doesn't make sense. Like it makes yeah. zero sense. You know, even with this podcast, when I sat down with Josh and convinced him to do the podcast a couple of years ago, and I, and I pick on Josh about this because, you know, we, we are two opposite sides of the coin a lot of times, you know, regardless of, of what it is in life, we're often opposite sides of the coin. And I think that makes a great balance for us. But, you know, when I sat down and looked 
it was like, how long is it going to take to actually build some traction <laughs> in a podcast? And I'm like, we're going to have to do 30, 40 episodes before it really builds traction. Because, you know, the worst thing in a podcast is you go and listen to one episode and you're like, oh, that's really good. And you're like, oh, that was the only one. They just started. And and then they don't put out an episode for a month. And then yeah. and you might go back to But when they have 30 or 40, it's just like Netflix in our Netflix culture where you start binge listening. Yeah. And that sort of thing. And so we have a lot of people that email us today that say, hey, we're binge listeners of Game Changers and blah, blah, blah. You know, and hey. And so today, you know, three years after we've been investing in Game Changers, the last year or so, that's the number one place we get clients. Where people are like, hey, I found you on Game Changers, blah, blah, blah. Because we've taken the time. We've built an audience. You know, thank you all. I'll, I'll take the audience break there for a moment. Thank you all for listening and being binge listeners of, of Game Changers. We really appreciate it. But Game Changers is an example of taking the time to invest in your audience. And it's paying huge dividends for us on the back end. I, I, and I, I get emails all the time from people saying it's paying huge dividends for you too. And so that was the goal, a win-win. And so just having the patience in your business to say, we're going to take a step back. We're going to do it right the first time. We're going to build those relationships, make those phone calls, do, do you know, in football, do the hard yards. We're going to do the hard yards that need to be done so that we can score the touchdown. And so, I don't know. That That's my two cents on that one. No, I love it, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, you know, did we miss anything today? You know, it, kind of in our final thoughts, have we, have we missed anything? Or I think we've hit a lot of stuff. I'm sure, Michael, that you and I could talk all day on this subject. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, and, and There's like so many nuances and so many things. and uh, But, I mean, I think we kind of covered the big things, you know, trying to help people figure out the starting point and some things that they can do to be successful in this upcoming year. And, um, yeah, I'm excited about this opportunity now that we have uh, all the RSM resources built in. And we're also doing uh, a monthly uh, group call with our accelerator members as just a way to actually – build in some accountability, which I guess maybe is the last piece that we didn't really talk about, but it's the accountability. And, you know, whether that's, uh, you know, being in the accelerator program or just having some accountability to make a commitment and then have somebody else kind of hold you accountable. There's a lot of leverage in that because sometimes, you know, if we're holding ourselves to be accountable, you know, forget about it. Right. <laughs> right. right. So, there, and so that's part of what we're uh, building into now into our uh, group coaching calls is a way to basically help answer questions for people as they go through these uh, trainings that we've got. They go through some of the resources that you guys have built in uh, within the RSM Federal, all the great resources there. So we try to give them some guidance there and also but to also hold them accountable and clear the noise. And I'll just leave you with one example, uh, just a Yesterday, we had our accelerator call, um, and the month before, uh, this gentleman, uh, they're pretty new, uh, they're eligible for 8A, they've been out there doing business for a long time, and he was kind of getting bogged down just within his website, you know, I said, well, where's your website at right now, you know, he's like, well, we got to get a copywriter, you know, the webmaster's telling me I need to get this copywriter to do all this stuff, and I was like, 
look, man, just get your website done, <laughs> you know, and then you can add enhancements to it later. Mm-hmm. But let's not halt progress and hire like a copywriter. You can develop the content. You've got to give the content to them anyway, you know. So right. just get your website online, you know, so at least some people has a way to go and contact you. And um, then let's add some enhancements to it later. But don't let that hold you back from moving forward to your next step because we don't want to – It'd be like six months from now. Oh, we're still trying to get this website. And I've seen so many people get caught up in that. But he made a commitment to get his website done within the month and also do a few other things on his marketing. And yesterday he showed up and he had those things done. I'm like, awesome. Now we can talk about what you're going to do next. So that's one of the ways that we're really helping folks get focused and just, you know, clear the noise and move to the next step and get to where they want to go at the end of the year. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. And he, here's what I'm going to say about that. I think accountability is one of the most priceless things you can get from a coach, a consultant, or, or whatever. And it, it's one of those things that, again, you don't want to show up, whether it's a sense of embarrassment or whatever, you don't want to show up to the next call and not have your homework done. You just don't. And I've never been the kind of coach that yells at people or belittles them or any of that garbage because I I, th- I think it is garbage. I think coaches who do that uh, are kind of a shame to the profession, and I'll stick by that. I don't think it's cool to yell at people and belittle them and do all that kind of stuff. You know, it may work in sports, but it just doesn't work in business. You, you do, it just doesn't feel good at all. You wouldn't do it to your kids. You shouldn't do that to a client. And uh, my, my little soapbox there, but, um, I feel like, you know, a huge part of our job is to be a cheerleader, to be an encourager, to be somebody who can say, you can do this, but also to show up next time and be like, I expected you to do it, you know? And, you know, there shouldn't be any roadblocks when you commit to something, there shouldn't be any roadblocks. If there are roadblocks, you should let me know prior to the call. What are those roadblocks? How can we, you know, and not like an hour before the call, like a week before the call, how can we get over these roadblocks so we can help you get to the call next week and have accomplished what you said you were going to do? And I, and I think even having that level of accountability helps a lot of people dial down the, the stars in their eyes, you know, where they're like, oh, you know, I can contact 3,000 people by phone by, between now and next week. And, you know, I can I can increase our business by $10 million in revenue, even though we're only a $100,000 business. I can do that all this week, you know, where you, you start having that accountability and they start to get a lot more realistic about, you know, their expectations and things. And so I, I just, there's so much value. And what I would say if you're a business owner listening to this is – don't look at the the monthly spend that you're putting on, whether it's the accelerator program or whatever program it is that you're in. Don't look at that amount of money and say, that's the value I get out of, you know, having someone hold me accountable because it's not, you know, the value you get out of somebody holding you accountable is probably a hundredfold of what you're paying to be in that accelerator program because you're you're developing a skill you're developing a habit and having that person there that you trust that you believe in to hold you accountable it's priceless it really is because it's not just 
the accomplishment you make this month, it's going to pay dividends as long as you own your business and probably if you start another business. So you, you can't look at that investment, whether it's 50 bucks a month, 200 bucks a month, $1,000 a month, as it was $1,000 a month to get that. No, it's not. It's not the one-time accomplishment. It is the rest of your life accomplishing things because you have this person, this program in your life. And so I, I just can't say enough about that because I think people really belittle the uh, and undervalue the accountability piece. So I'm glad you, you kind of closed with that. So normally at this point, you know, I thank you. I kind of give a little plug for our sponsor. But today our sponsor is the the accelerator program. So why don't you take a moment Tell people how they can become Accelerator members and kind of where to go and that kind of thing real quick. Yeah, we have all of the information on our website at www.govology.com forward slash accelerator. And that will take you right into the page, which shows you all of the resources that you get. If you want to call me up personally, uh, my number is 888 888- Six four three four two seven six extension number one. I'll be happy to talk with you more about what that program includes and how it can help your business. Yeah, awesome. So thank thank you for you know being on here today. Thank you for you know talking about the accelerator program, what they can do. And so if you don't know this, folks, uh, if you join Accelerator, one of the the cool gifts you get is our government sales manual. So that is included with this. It's free. It's part of the accelerator program. You get the the award-winning government sales manual when you become a member. I hope many people listening today go out and become a member. We'll also have contact information for Carol, links to his website, all that kind of stuff will be on uh, the the webpage here for this podcast. So go on there, take a look at that. That'll have all that contact information uh, if you need to contact Carol. So again, thanks again, Carol. I really appreciate you being on. We'll have Carol on again in the near future. Yep. Thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. And uh, just take a minute here to thank all of our listeners. I really appreciate you guys, gals, folks just coming in and listening, making us what we are today. Really appreciate it. Wouldn't be anything without you. And remember, you can get every episode on iTunes. Just hunt down Game Changers for Government Contractors. Subscribe to the feed. You'll get every episode on your favorite podcasting app, whatever that might be. It's all funneled out there uh, through the internet. So good luck finding that. It's super easy. And tune in next time for lessons from our experts on how you can win more government contracts. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.